The whole idea of um, sports chaplaincy is to actually um, enable there to be chaplains for local clubs. It's not just elite sport. It's not just the the professionals, um, but it's actually at a local level because that's where there are sporting communities. And, you know, everywhere there's a community of people, then it's helpful for us um, if we want to be part of that community, particularly if we're already part of that community, why not... um, see that as an opportunity to have an influence, you know, to be, um, to be serving them. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Shock Absorber podcast. Uh, I have returned, it was great to have Dave Lovell on last week, but um, I have returned to hosting duties again and I'm joined once again by Stu Crawshaw. How are you? Hello Joel. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. It's you're good wearing, to be back on again. You're wearing a very uh, uh, emblematic shirt there. Yes, wearing my Cronulla Sharks jacket, uh, jacket today. Yes. That's right, because yes. we're going to start. We're going to talk about sports chaplaincy. We are going to talk yes. about, and we are joined by a special guest, Leonie Stanfield, who's the warden of Soul Revival Church. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Joel. It's excellent. I think you're actually the first woman to be on the Shock Absorber podcast. Which is exciting. Oh, that's really interesting. I hadn't, um, yeah, hadn't realised that. That's true. So thank you for being a groundbreaker. groundbreaker. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, how are you, by the way? You're going well. Yeah, going really well. I'm, yep. I'm fortunate in lockdown. Um, not so much has changed for me work-wise. So yeah, I'm managing pretty well. Excellent. That's good to hear. So we, um, this season, we've been talking about engaging the youth in church um, culture and things like that. But um, today we're going. We've, we've, we have been talking a lot about local church ministries and stuff like that. But we're going to talk about parachurch ministries yeah. this time, which is, should we define what a parachurch ministry is first, you? Yeah, so a parachurch uh, ministry is basically a catch-all phrase that defines uh, Christian youth ministry and ministry in general that isn't associated with a denomination or a local church. So it's a Christian organisation that set up uh, a Christian ministry to uh, young people or to other people that isn't connected to a local denomination or a local church. So is sports chaplaincy an example of that? Yes, yeah. So I'm, uh, as well as being the senior minister of Soul Revival Church, I'm also the chaplain to the Cronulla Sharks. And in that role, I'm part of an organisation called Sports Chaplaincy Australia, which is not connected to a particular denomination, but it's organising sports chaplaincy across Australia. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Um, before we get into that, though, Leonie, I think it would be great to like learn a little bit more about yourself. Um, first of all, I'd love to ask you the question, how you became a Christian? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, well, um, I grew up in a Christian family, so in a sense, I had always um, known that there was a God. Uh, but it really did become pretty personal for me um, at an early age. I can still remember nine years old, very vividly. Um, and I realised I had a choice about whether I responded to God or not. Um, and it was personal for me because, you know, I felt like as a kid, I really didn't fit in. I was a pretty quiet, shy sort of kid and you know I wanted to belong Um, and uh, when I realised that you know God loved me and it actually died for me and accepted me it was like amazing I actually belong you know and so for me that was a really easy decision to make to decide to follow God at that age and to feel like well if God accepted me then it was so much easier for me to accept myself Um, so yeah from that point I had a I guess what I would consider, you know, a really strong faith as a nine-year-old. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, that's really cool. Um, 
But you're so warden of Sorrow Bible Church, one of the wardens of Sorrow Bible Church. Can you tell us yeah. more about that role that you have with the church? Yeah, sure. Um, it's a real honour to be serving um, in a church in whatever capacity. Um, and, uh, yeah, as a warden, it's, um, it's important to take, um, I guess, leadership seriously and um, to be part of a team where you're... Uh, contributing your expertise, um, your experience, and seeking God's wisdom to be a, a resource and help lead so that we um, actually use our resources well in the church so that um, we uh, manage our responsibilities well, um, you know, particularly in COVID, um, and so that we can, I guess, free up some of the things that the, the pastoral um, and the ministry team can focus on their stuff and we can, you know, um, be across some of the more administrative stuff. Yeah, do you have to keep Stu in line as senior pastor? <laughs> no, yep. I think he yep. keeps no, us in line. De- no, no, definitely. <laughs> definitely Leonie is very helpful. How's it, how's it go working under those warden stews? It, it's yeah, pretty good. It's quite enjoyable. Yeah, they uh, they keep you in line. They make sure we spend money on the right things and stuff 100%, like that. So 100%. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, um, what we always like to do is in the shock absorber is to bring up um, certain cultural artifacts that kind of sometimes represent what we're talking about. And mm. Leonie, you had one that you wanted to bring up, which was really cool. So I'd love you to share that now, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, this this harks back um, to, you know, my youth days. Uh, but uh, I really loved um, the Blues Brothers <laughs> when that movie came out. Um, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was a fantastic um, just... I guess experience because it was something different mm. that we hadn't done before. It was a very different movie. It, it was, was a very, very different, different movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and so much fun, um, and just honestly, a whole idea. Um, you know, being on a mission from God. It was just, <laughs> it was just amazing. So for me, that's something I remember definitely from my youth. That's cool. Do you have a favourite scene? Um, so so many, <laughs> so many, so many. The country music scene, but I think oh, the yep. the one that I that I um, <laughs> that I immediately think of is um, uh, is the nun just you know with with the ruler, and it was just <laughs> like it was hilarious. So for kids at that age, it was hilarious. It's a very. It's a really interesting movie because it's like I don't. I'm not a particular fan of musicals and there's so much music in it, but it was a different kind of music. Like, I think that's why I really enjoyed it. How does that play into, um, like we're talking a lot about uh, your experiences in ministry, Leonie. Mm -hmm. Is there there a reason why that Blues Brothers represents how your ministry journey? Can you you give us a little bit more on that? Yeah. Um, Yeah, look, I, I, I think the whole idea of being on mission has actually been part of my journey um, and you know God has done this in a way that um, wasn't necessarily intentional for me but um, you know being involved in in a church um, going to a, a private Christian you know girls school um, but it always involved in a youth group meant that I came to university at a time where I was a strong Christian I wanted to get involved in a university group um, I found a university group to get involved in at Melbourne Uni and that group really was on mission. So that was a a parachurch organisation that uh, was actually called Student Life, um, originally Lay Institute for Evangelism. Um, But uh, I found, I guess, a group of um, like-minded, really um, passionate Christians about evangelism, about discipleship and about making a difference in the university space that we were in. Um, so yeah, that that's sort of where that fits in. 
Can you share some of the experiences of that that time? Where it, so it was at Melbourne University. This was, was at it? Melbourne Uni. Okay. Yeah. So you're originally from Melbourne. Yes, okay. absolutely. Cool. So what was that? What was it like doing that kind of thing from day, for day to day? Were you there at uni every day? Yeah. Um. It was a really different experience, I think, uni back then than it is now. So we're talking. Seventy nine was my first year as a uni student, um, and I spent a fair bit of time hanging out in the lawns and yeah. you know, or hanging out. In <laughs> <laughs> in the cafeteria. I, I was an art student, so that's is a fair bit as well. Well, Yanni, could I just jump in there? There's nothing to be ashamed of being an art student. I was also an art student at university, and I, my, my wife Louise tells me she, she's actually got evidence that I spent more time on the library lawn than I spent actually in lectures. So I think that, that's completely concurrent with many people's experience. Right, well, to yes, two, yes. two art students on the podcast, anyway. Yes. I'll, I'll let the listeners work out who they are. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know, for me, it was, it was a great time. Um, and, uh, and this gave me a real purpose, in a sense, you know, aside from just, you know, studies. Um, and it, it gave me an opportunity, I guess, to meet with other Christians. So uh, it was very discipleship-oriented, um, as well as evangelism. We would meet together in small discipleship groups. But then we would also have a one-on-one time with our leader as well during the week. So we were actually getting a fair bit of um, really good deep diving into the Bible, um, but also into what it meant to actually live as Christian in the space that we're in. Um, And one of the really interesting parts, I think, was stepping out to actually be willing to share our faith. And so we had some really interesting experiences on campus doing that in a very active way that, um, yeah, really meant I had to trust God a lot. Mm. Uh-huh. Why, why was that? Yeah, well, I, it, it's so interesting because um, growing up as a Christian, um, it's often hard to, um, to explain to other people why, why you believe what you believe. So there's a sense, I think, in which um, it's easy to know what you believe. It's easy to know your personal experience of it. You get to uni and suddenly everyone doesn't care about that. Like everyone wants to question everything. So how do you tell people, oh, I believe it because I believe it? It doesn't cut it. Mm. So it was a really good opportunity to take stock and think about, okay, from a person who is not a Christian, who hasn't had that background, what does it mean from their perspective to sort of understand this? And then how can I get better at explaining, you know, my my journey or my understanding? And so I guess that idea of, you know, um, apologetics and understanding more about um, not necessarily defending the gospel or defending the Bible, it doesn't need defending, but just explaining and opening up the way of thinking about it. Um, so I got a chance to really think that through as part of you know, my involvement with student life personally, and that gave me even more confidence about why I believed. Um, and then we would actually actively go out and talk to students. So even just randomly talk to students. Um, and, you know, that, that was an interesting experience, not something you necessarily do every day. I mean, you might talk to your friends, and we're certainly um, supported and encouraged to talk to our friends, but that was sort of a given. Of course you talk to your friends. You know, this is this idea of there's all these people here. Um, what do they think about God? Let's have a conversation. 
In in doing that and speaking to other students and other people, what was the, what was your read of the culture at that time? Like it's obviously early uh, early eighties Melbourne. 80s. What would you what would be your read of that? Um, it it was uh, there was, I think there was more openness to to talk about things in some to some degree than maybe now. Although I'm not on a university campus now, so you know maybe I I can't really comment on that so much um but uh people in a lot of ways people were just happy to if you ask them their ideas so no one like like all of us no one wants to be preached at and no one wants to be made to feel like their ideas don't count but if you are asked um and yeah and given opportunity to have a conversation they want to be heard yeah, mm. I think everyone still does want to be heard. Yeah. Um, and not in a way where they feel they need to defend what they're saying, but just in a way that, um, yeah, great, okay, that's really interesting. Stu, something like uh, university ministry that Leonie was doing at the time, um, we've talked a lot about different strategies rec- earlier in the season, in the season of this season, sorry. What this uh, to me, this represents a lot of the missional approach that kind of Chap Clark talked about. Do you want to speak to that a little bit more? Yeah. So Chap Clark in Four Views of Youth Ministry that was edited by Mark Center is the book we keep coming back mm-hmm. to, which is a really good way to uh, frame up this series because uh, what Center has done in that book is invite different youth ministry thinkers to come together and talk about different models of engaging with young people, different methods. And Chap Clark uh, has a real passion for. Uh, going on mission to young people that don't already have Christian families in the church. And the the, the university ministry that Leonie was a part of was a really good example of that, mm-hmm. that um, university is a place where people are sort of stepping out for the first time in their adult lives. Mm-hmm. They've left school, they've left high school, they've left a lot of the known and they're going into this new environment. And having Christian communities in those uh, environments where people can sit down and have a conversation about faith with people just one-on-one on on a library lawn is a really good opportunity for people to have a fresh look at uh, things of faith. And so I think that the uh, university ministries that I've been a part of, very similar to what Leone was a part of, I was just a few years um, after Leone in the 80s uh, at um, university. And I think you're right, Leone, I think there's a lot of interest. People were very happy to just explore ideas. And uh, I'm not on university at the moment either, Mm -hmm. but maybe we could ask um, some people in the future what what's going on at university ministry at the moment but uh sports chaplaincy similar like just to be able to be uh present with people and just get alongside people and just talk to them about uh where they're at and be helpful to them um we had last week uh dave lover was talking about doing that in the christian scene uh, mm-hmm. the sorry the surfing community and bringing um just a, a really beautiful encouraging christian witness into that context is really helpful yeah mm-hmm. Um, talking about sports chaplaincy, you mm. brought that up again. That's something else that's quite close to your heart, um, yeah. Leone. How did you get involved in that? Was that after the university that we were yeah, talking about? Yeah, um, yeah, really, really interesting. Um, my uh, husband and I were involved in a university ministry for about eight years. Okay. Um, we, I mean, he probably had the stronger interest in sport. Um, during that time, though, we had um, d- 
delved into the world of triathlon. Okay. Um, so this is the 80s. Oh, fabulous time to be part of the triathlon That's scene. <laughs> terrific fashion in the 80s. In can the we 80s? just pause there, Leonie, yeah, and just give us a bit of a, oh, yeah. bit of a retrospective on some of the gear we used oh, to yeah, wear in the 80s? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and absolutely, even extending into the 90s. So in 1990, we spent six months in the US yeah. <clears throat> working with um, athletes in action, so getting some training to bring so athletes in action. So still fluoro in the 90s? Or absolutely just still fluoro. Fluoro. So fluoro. That was where I was going with that comment. Yeah, like yeah no, no, gear. we we had the um, the the bright fluoro pink. I'm oh, sure pink. I had a, a, yeah. a pair of pink running shorts, yeah. bright fluoro pink, yeah. the lime green, yeah, um, yeah. E- even the really bright orange, like oh, okay. the iridescent orange. Yeah. It and was the, and all the sweatbands and the whole the gear. whole the whole thing. <laughs> That's Terrific. awesome. Well, they, like those um, and those Oakleys that full the full wrap yeah. around. Yep, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine you wearing those now. <laughs> that's, really, that's great. You should wear it to church one day. <laughs> we open I'm sure up. I could dig back into yeah, my... Um, warden's meeting. Into <laughs> <laughs> my wardrobe. That would be awesome. <laughs> anyway, sorry, please continue with it. Um, um, you went over to the US. Yeah, so we went over to the US because we... Um, we felt like it w- there was an opportunity to bring more of a, a sports ministry focus um, into Australia. Now, at that time, um, there were definitely sports ministry organisations and sports chaplaincy um, Australia and um, and people were doing things. But um, uh, the international organisation that we were part of, so Student Life was actually part of an organisation organization called Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, it's now called CREW. Um, but uh, it it was started as a university ministry back in 1951, mm-hmm. um, and it it didn't end up in Australia until about 67 or so. Um, and internationally, it had broad arms, so it had an athlete an athlete you know arm. And if you think of the US and how big um, ath- athletics is on the university campus. It's huge. It's, yeah. it's, it's a different world. It's another level, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. We, and our system has nothing like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had the opportunity to spend six months over there, um, tr- you know, travelling around uh, three months in um, at, uh, Athens, Georgia, just out of Atlanta, yeah. um, working on campus. Um, and then we came back... Uh, to Australia, and we brought over um, some visiting teams to do clinics. So we had a gridiron group come over to run some um, gridiron clinics. We had baseball uh, people come over to run baseball. Um, we, uh, yeah, ran some other projects. We got um, connected in with more Christians in the space of triathlon and tried to do more about that. I mean, uh, we personally were... Um, enjoying triathlon. Me as a very, very, very recreational <laughs> triathlete. Um, my husband as a, a, a bit more serious, um, but we're part of Cronulla Tri Club. And um, and I think actually, I, I think they must have taken pity on me one year. Um, I won the most improved because <laughs> <laughs> it was such a low base to improve from. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had a, a very interesting um time in that space and and a long time in that sport what was the seed of your desire to, to do sports chaplaincy like why did that why did you get so um why did you find that such an attractive way of doing ministry yeah i i, th- I think um almost the same principle as the university it was where we were at you know okay. it, it was the space we we're in where we were you know where our friendships were 
Um, it was a sport we, we loved. Um, and there was a sense too at which um, I guess you build a bit of a community feel. Uh, so people that are into s particular sports, you know, you have that community feel. But even sports generally, you know, have that feeling of people who are in sport or, or not into sport, you know. Um, it's not quite as simple as that. But th there's a bit of that. So um, for us it was a sort of a logical extension of saying this is where we're at and, the, you know, this is where we want to be um, just being ourselves and, and bringing Christ. Do you have um, any examples or um, interesting stories from that time that just in terms of doing sports chaplaincy, um, whether it was people becoming Christians that you didn't expect to or anything like that? Is there something you'd like to share from that time? Um, I, th I think uh, I haven't got a specific story, um, but I, th I think part of it was um, the encouragement in working with other other people passionate about sport too. So there was a sense in which working together in a space was actually really helpful. I mean, we came in, um, in a sense, starting or, or trying to bring athletes in action, that sort of model <coughs> um, here. And, in, and we needed the support of others. It was actually about ministering together. Mm. Um, yeah, which was really important. So I, I think that's the thing that stands out to me. Stewie, mm. let's uh, delve into your sports chaplaincy a little bit more. Into you're the chaplain for the Cronulla Sharks as well as your role as senior pastor of Sorrow Bible Church. What's the um, what's your like kind of role with that within that, and then how how does it play out? Yeah, so uh, as chaplain, I am a volunteer in in that space. Was it so were you mostly volunteer too? Sorry. Yeah, we uh, well. Um, this was uh, a, a ministry space where we were actually full-time missionaries. So we um, raised our own support. Right. Um, so for basically 10 years, we, um, yeah, we, we lived um, on the support of a, a support team. Yeah, mm. Fantastic. Yeah. Do you do that, Stu? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, with, with, the, with, with our chaplaincy, mm. it's, I, I love what... Leonie was saying about team, that mm. being part of a team is really important. Mm. And the chaplains in the NRL are part of the bigger team of Sports Chaplaincy Australia, which has chaplains in lots of sports across Australia, from motor racing to AFL to uh, rugby league to soccer. There's all the different sports, mm. netball, um, at all different layers to, and levels too. So local uh, bowling clubs have mm. chaplains as well as you know professional NRL clubs uh, all the NRL clubs in uh, Australia have a chaplain and so I'm part of that broader group as well as part of the chaplains that are in all the other clubs like Manly and Broncos and and Cowboys all that, all the teams have a chaplain and I've got to know some of those chaplains really well they're a great bunch of people and uh, some of them are um, uh, paid independently just to do chaplaincy but they're not paid by the club to do that mm -hmm. so uh, Parramatta has a terrific chaplain George and he does a lot of great work there uh, so he's and I really admire him so within the club though we also are a part of a team and so the chaplain is uh, attached to the well-being teams of each of the NRL clubs so that's a real privilege it's terrific so each NRL club has a well-being team that looks after the well-being of the players and uh, the NRL consider um, people uh, in chaplain's roles really important to those teams. So once a year we go away with the NRL uh, on a 
on a few days retreat with all the wellbeing teams and it's a terrific time where we just get to, sh- to think about how to support uh, and get beside players and uh, it's a really exciting uh, chaplaincy model. But week to week I'd probably uh, go down, uh, you know, once a week down to the Sharks at least, uh, go to some games, I'll go along to a lunch that they have and so mm. that's a great chance to get beside players and just check out what's going on. And for those players with faith in the Sharks, we also um, over the years have had this group called the Iron Squad that was set up by one of the players, Jason Bakuya, and he set up the Iron Squad because iron sharpens iron and Jason uh, Jason and Sam Tagatizi and Sefa Paulo and some of the other Christians in the team were the ones who actually invited me to be the chaplain and then talked to the club and the club invited me formally. So, um, yeah, it's a real privilege to be a part of a team that includes, you know, the broader Sports Chaplaincy Australia, the NRL component to that the well-being teams in the well-being team at the sharks and then of course being a team with the christian players and sort of the way i roll as a chaplain is i just come beside players of faith and and no faith and and just uh want to be helpful and be available just to um be there but also to be there for the well-being team sometimes we do practical things like uh if they're looking for a short stay for some of the junior players, as they move to the city, we, we sometimes put some up in our in our place, Louise and I. And also, uh, you know, if there's any people need a visit and things like that, we can do that sort of stuff. But then for the players of faith, you know, just supporting them in what they're trying to do in their lives too. So, yeah, that's how we roll. Mm. Uh, it was really cool to see the recently uh, NRL grand final. Did you see the Penrith yeah. players who were all praying together? Exciting, which was yeah. really cool. Um, uh how do you, how do you go with like, how receptive are the players that aren't Christian mm. to you in terms of being a part of the club? Really good, actually. There's a lot of banter that goes on in the clubs, <laughs> so that's that's a lot of fun. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think that uh, people can see that I haven't, like, as Leone would say too. You don't go into sports chaplaincy with being a fan boy or mm. a fan girl. Mm. That's really important, and also not going in with an agenda, just being there for the club and for the players. And it takes a while to get to know everyone, but over time, everyone gets yeah. I mean, the seeing the Penrith pa- uh, Panthers players praying after the game, uh, the chaplain of the Panthers does a similar thing with 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 that club that won the grand final this year. But um, my first year with the Sharks was in 2016, and I had a similar experience with the guys because Jason was. Um, praying in the change room before the games and most of the players would just you know respect that and just move around or whatever but then over time uh jason would pray and then so would sam and then so would sefer and all of a sudden some of the christians in the team would just have a little innocuous little Mm. is that the word innocuous just a Mm. low-key little prayer time in Mm -hmm. the corner of the change room and everyone would just be going about their thing they didn't make a big deal of it but they just pray before the game and then um over time, what they were doing is uh, there's there's almost every club has Christian players in it now. There's a lot of Pol- uh, Pacifica players mm. uh, in the NRL, and so a lot of Pacifica players have a Christian background, and so there's lots of uh, players of faith in the NRL now. And so when Cronulla would play, say, the Tigers, um, the Tigers would have a few Christian players, and what they do is after the game, again, not making a big deal of it they just get in a circle and have a pray with the other team mm. after the game just to thank god for a great time and before you knew it you know the cameras tv cameras were going on that and kids were noticing it uh as they watched and everyone was noticing it. and i remember my son elijah during that year of his soccer would start praying on the field after the game <laughs> with his christian mates and sometimes the other like he played for grace point and some of the other kids say from local suburbs like 
in our area, there's a suburb called Grace Point, another one called Guaymere. And so if some of the Christian kids from Guaymere get together and pray like Jason was doing in the NRL. And the parents loved it. Everyone thought it was really mm-hmm. cute. And these, you know, little 12-year-olds are all standing in a circle after the game praying and not making a big deal of it. So it became a bit of a cultural thing in sport in Australia. Mm-hmm. And it's continuing, which is really exciting. But one of the really profound moments for me was um, when Cronulla did win the grand final and Lou and I and the boys were at the grand final and we're in the stadium actually sitting near Jason's family and we, you know, Cronulla won the grand final, which was amazing because we'd been Mm -hmm. waiting 50 years for us to win our first grand final. So it was like amazing. But um, I looked down onto the ground and there was the boys that, that I meet in Bible study every week who all got in a circle on that particular day, the Cronulla boys just got in a circle together and they knelt down and they thanked God for a great game. And I was just really moved. I thought it was just incredible. And, um, you know, they flashed a little one way oh, did they? when they went and got their rings on stage <laughs> as well because NRL players get a, a ring. This is not an NRL ring, by the way. <laughs> it's my wedding ring. But they get a special NRL <laughs> ring. And as they got their rings, the boys would just go, thanks, Jesus, as they went on stage. And, and then seeing the Penrith players do that, uh, a new generation of players coming through doing the same thing, carrying on that legacy has been quite moving. But if I could just um, backtrack a little to that earlier question you had, which is how do the players mm-hmm. that don't have faith go with that? Mm-hmm. They, they actually don't find that threatening or intimidating and there's no mm-hmm. pressure to join. Um, but just as the year 2016 went on, in the playing shed before the game, um, Jason would pray with, with Sam Tagatizi and, and Sefa and some of the other boys and... Um, Jason tells me that over time the shed would go quiet just to give him a bit of space to pray. And then even some of the non-Christian players would walk past and go, I'll shoot one up for me, would you? Ask the big fella if it'd be all right if I don't get injured today. It's just a real nice little banter like that. So it's a real family. Um, You know, teams are a really nice place to to embrace diversity Mm. and there's a lot of diversity within the NRL and the NRL are trying to embrace all the different kinds Mm. of diversity including faith so Mm. yeah so I think I think there's a culture of acceptance which is growing in sport in Australia which is really good because I don't know if you'd agree Leonie back in the 80s there was a little bit sometimes there wasn't a lot of um, embrace of difference was there I think it could be especially with men and women like did you find that being a, a female athlete back in the 80s at all? Yeah, I, th- I think definitely there was um, uh, was much more separate and there was less res- respect ac- across the board, um, potentially, um, than we have now. Yeah, embracing difference um, has there's been a lot of work that goes into starting to change culture and, and encourage people to... Um, to see the alternate perspectives and value the alternate con- contributions and not just stay within their own little space. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Did you see that as an opportunity when you were doing your your ministry journey? Or like, did you, were you able to see it like, as a change in those kind of things in that culture? We really didn't stay in the space long enough to do to do that. So from my perspective, I'm not sure that I really, really saw that. But looking back and then looking now, um, I, th- I think it's been interesting. So after moving out of full-time ministry in sort of the, the mid-90s um, or yeah, early to mid-90s, I've, I've still sort of stayed in, in touch um, with others still in that space um, and tried to help out where I can um, and actually got involved with um, Sports Chaplaincy Australia in doing their Certificate 2 in Sports Chaplaincy myself. Um, and I, I think the reason I 
I did that even though I was no longer really in a formal sort of sports ministry. Um, but it was a recognition that for all of us, um, if we're in a sporting community or we've got a connection or we enjoy sport, then um, there are certainly opportunities to use um, those connections to build relationships. And so the whole idea of um, sports chaplaincy is to actually um, enable there to be chaplains for local clubs. It's not just elite sport. It's not just the the professionals, um, but it's actually at a local level because that's where there are sporting communities. And, you know, everywhere there's a community of people, then it's helpful for us um, if we want to be part of that community, particularly if we're already part of that community, why not um, see that as an opportunity to have an influence, you know, to be um, to be serving them, you know. And, and to me, sports chaplaincy is, is absolutely um, uh, an extension of the way we serve, you know. As Christians, we serve. That, that's what we do. Uh, but it gives you a particular focus for that serving, to get alongside people, to be there, to um, to make a decision to put the time and effort into investing into relationships um, in a more intentional way. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure I answered your question on that one. Though. No, it's fine. Do you, yeah, I, I'd just uh, validate what Leonie was saying yeah. on that, Leonie. Like, I think, you know, at Sports Chaplaincy Australia today, we're, we're crying out for more people to get involved in local clubs because clubs are asking us for chaplains. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realise that. They kind of feel like, oh, maybe a chaplaincy might be a bit of an imposition on a club. But it's actually a really uh, sought-after role because having someone there to listen and encourage mm-hmm. and just be there with no agenda but mm-hmm. just to, to love other people in the club. And, uh, yeah, I'd really encourage uh, any of the listeners or people who are watching this online that if you are already involved in some kind of sporting club you might have kids in a local soccer club or a rugby league club or a netball club or you might be involved in um, playing bowls or you know whatever triathlon. it might triathlon yeah <laughs> well triathlon uh whatever it might a surf club um you know in our local area we've got two clubs at the moment they're looking for chaplains in and that's a separate uh entity to sports chaplains australia i think mm-hmm. there's the this life-saving clubs but uh yeah there's a lot of opportunity just to just to be you in the club. And so getting in touch with Sports Chaplaincy Australia, we should put some notes in the show notes if anybody mm. wants to get in touch. Mm. But the course they run that Leonie was talking about, I've, I've been a part of that too and it's really helpful mm. just to help you to think through how to be helpful to other people anyway. So, yeah, that there is a really good role for that parachurch mm. element to our mission that we can uh, be a part of local communities. And it's kind of natural, isn't it, Leonie? It's not that hard. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a natural e- extension. Yeah, what I, I'm coming back to the idea of, of, of parachurch. You know, what what was interesting for me um, back in my experience of that at, at, at university um, was it was the first time I'd I'd been involved in a Christian organisation outside of church, um, and uh, what I really loved was the ex- exposure to people to different. Uh, people with different views. Um, so there was a sense in which we were united by um, the gospel mm-hmm. and by you know what we believed around that. But within that space, there was a whole lot of difference that was embraced. Um, mm-hmm. And it was embraced in a way that you then, not, not to dismiss the role of the church, but then to say, um, you're, you're here, you're here, you're learning, you're being equipped to go and take that into your local church and live that out in that local context. So it wasn't 
Um, sometimes people can argue that you know parachurch moves people away from the local church, um, and sometimes that can happen. But my experience has been that it actually encourages you to then you know live that out in your local. Um, yeah, church I community. 100% agree. Yeah, I think that's a terrific thing. And I mean, there are some areas of our broader secular culture that's uh, where, where people are feeling a little bit more concerned about uh, Christians being uh, part of communities. But in sports areas, it seems to be really welcomed. You know, just everyone's like, yeah, if you like the sport, you're part of it. And and I think you're right. I, I sometimes hear Christian ministers say, you know, I just don't have any unbelieving christian uh, sorry mm. people who aren't christians as my friends but you know we, we can just join a local running club and all of a sudden we people will accept it, you know your friendship and just be part of it and mm. so chaplaincy is a great way of just formalizing that a little bit and helping you to say yeah let's let's have a bit of a missional focus let's not just have a discipleship focus of discipling people who mm. come through the doors of our local churches but let's actually think about being involved for the gospel in our everyday lives as well mm. so i think that's really valuable leone yeah well, I, knew, I think you just touched on it then, Stu, but then I, I was really um, uh, drawn into the two things that you brought up there, the only which was relationships and um, also embracing difference. And that's something we've talked about a lot on the Shock Absorber podcast. Mm. Um, Leonie, you're probably still pretty well versed in the, sh- in the Shock Absorber <laughs> because we're, you're the warden of Sorrel Bible Church. But I was just um, yeah. thinking, like, what can we learn from sports chaplaincy, parachurch organisations, uh, university ministry, all that kind of stuff with that um, missional approach that we've discussed before. What can we learn in terms of how we like to do church as an intergenerational model? Yeah, um, th- I think that's a, a really good question. I, I do think it comes down to um, connection to values, and so in a sense, you know, um, that uh, appreciation that we are here to love God and to love others. And that, in a sense, um, sharing, you know, the good news um, is uh, is an incredibly important part of that. That that's something. Um, so, in the sense of, of evangelism, being able to share the love of Jesus with others in whatever context that is, um, is something that if you have that commitment, um, if you have, I guess, if you take the Great Commission, you know, seriously, that we're actually called. Um, to to share um, and and called to make disciples. So when you put both of those things together, um, it's got to start with that commitment first, and then uh, I think it is having um, people around you that share that commitment, um, so that you together um, uh, live that out. Um, and having structures and processes and in place and a uh, community in place to help support you to do that. So to provide you with the resources you need, the encouragement that you need, the training you might need. Um, and, and I think this is where, you know, intergenerational is, is a great opportunity to learn and, um, from each other and encourage each other to, to do this. And it, it almost is counterintuitive because you think, well, yeah, but I'm talking to my friends who are my age. So, you know, what? how does a younger person, you know, someone who might be even two generations different from me, how do they actually help me in my, um, in my ability or my interest in sharing with my friends or my people? Um, 
actually think we need to do that. I actually think that there's a lot we don't realise we miss um, because we think, oh, yeah, but it's, it's, that's not relevant. Um, so I, th- I think actually we don't know what we're missing if, if we stick to our own sort of um, friendship groups. Um, yeah. Do you have a personal experience of that in terms of someone from a different generation really helping you to grow in your maturity in Christ? Um, I certainly do as a younger person, um, which I think most people will identify with. You know, they'll think of someone who was older um, and encouraged them. Uh, and so often it's the modelling um, that you see. Sometimes it's the really intentional someone coming alongside you. Um, I mean, I had some of that in the university ministry. That was one of the reasons why I was so keen um, when I was at uni to actually go into full-time work uh, because I could see the impact that it had when um, you are, you know, someone was modelling what it looked like um, to serve. But I, I think back to the leaders in my church and the older um, men and women. Um, perhaps the women didn't have maybe such as many formal leadership positions. Um, some did, some didn't back then as much. Um, but they certainly... Um, it, there was certainly a strong sense of Christian leaders, you know, youth group leaders, um, all of that. Um, and then I guess I can start to almost think back now. Um, one of the things that's been interesting for me is listening to the, the Chip Lunch podcast <laughs> because, you know, I've, I've loved listening to Shock Absorber um, and I thought, well, you know, Chip Lunch, I mean, for me, thinking about school and being a Christian at school, that's a long time ago, you know, and I'm sort of thinking, I wonder what relevance there is for me to do that. But I've been so encouraged by hearing the stories and particularly all of the stories. So whether they're from the younger people themselves, you know, the Darvell's right in the midst of it uh, um, at this stage, or whether it's from those that, you know, um, have been who came through and and our leaders, um, I'm so encouraged by their um, commitment and passion and their insights and keeping me in tune with what's happening now. So, uh, which would have been so easy to go, oh, chip lunch, that's not really for me. Isn't that really interesting? It's something we talk about a lot, isn't it? We we learn from the, the youth who are at the forefront of cultural change, but then we bring the the experience and the maturity of the uh, the older saints to be able to disciple those people. So that's that's yeah. a really cool way of doing it. Stu, you're reasonably well-versed in the shock absorber. <laughs> um, going back to my question of a parachurch and what we can learn from that, what do, what do you think? I think a couple of things to point out is that the uh, sporting clubs are very intergenerational. There's mm. people of all different ages. Uh, I remember being at a um, captain's run one day down at Cronulla Sharks and I was just there and that's just a a particular training day and the players were there and they've invited some of the fans to come along and there's all these different ages of fans there's you know children and there's young adults and teenagers and and there was some um there was a couple in their 80s that have been going for Cronulla ever since they started and they're kind of like part of the fabric of the club now and everybody knows them and they're really well loved and anyway I stood next to them and and I've been a chaplain at, at that stage for about four years and they're just like oh it's great you're you're new to the club and you know, it was like <laughs> it was really really fun to sort of come in under their 
eldership of oh no it's not spiritual eldership but it was mm-hmm. like a a nice moment of like uh, honoring them as elders I suppose of the club and they were just really interested in why I did what I did and what and and one of the things that really stood out was they were saying thank you for volunteering your time because we volunteer our mm-hmm. time so I think one of the good things about chaplaincy is it's not a paid position it's mm-hmm. a volunteer position so it was really nice to be, I suppose, able to at one point, uh, you know, just get alongside the players, but also the coaching staff and the club staff, but then also some of the fans. And, and there's that really nice intergenerational family mm-hmm. feel at Cronulla Sharks and on uh, they even have family days and things like that. So I think I think our churches in some ways have drifted towards a homogeneous unit principle where we've segregated our age groups. And I think I think, you know, clubs give us an example that not every part of Australian life has done that. There are sporting clubs that are still intergenerational and a lot of young people are the fit young people who do a lot of the playing. But these days there's like masters competitions in surfing, mm. there's masters competitions in triathlete. There's, there's all the different ages getting involved. So mm. I think the shock absorber is really helpful to get you to get your head into that chaplaincy space as well. Yeah, mm. yeah fantastic. Well, I think that um, probably wraps us up for this episode. But mm. first, uh, before we do, I want to thank you, Leonie, very much for being on. We really appreciate it. Thank oh, you very much. Thank you. It's been great. Yeah, it's been really fun. Thank you. And thank you, of course, you. Yeah, always. thanks, John. Thanks for facilitating our conversation <laughs> as usual. And, <laughs> That's all right. And, um, yeah, one one quick question for you, though, at, okay. the, at the end. Like, you do, like... Uh, sport yourself like you're you're yes. a part of the rockets soccer club like do, yeah. do you do the rockets have a chaplain uh not that i know of um so but i think when you were talking about being intergenerational, I was like yeah it's 100 percent because i coach my son's team mm. he's in under it was under sevens this year and only a short well the season didn't really even happen did it no not but this year not very much um so the uh, what's really cool is like I'm really enjoying being part of coaching the boys. So you've got like some young six-year-old boys or seven-year-olds that you, you're trying to obviously help um, gain a bit of teamwork and, and be part of a, a thing together. But then like being the coach and in between the parents and that is really cool. It's, so it's a cool interface. It's just yeah. really cool. And then every soccer club also has the old guy who's been around four years and has been volunteering his time like the people yeah. at the Sharks yeah. for probably – 50 years sometimes yeah, like they've yeah. just been around so long and then but at the club that i'm part of they're doing a really great job of involving families and for example uh if you are part of the uh rockets uh what are they call nursery squad which is the three to five year olds where they just have a kick around and have fun you get free rego coming into the under sixes where they actually start playing um more formalized games so that's a really cool thing of like now you're seeing a lot of families grow up through the entire club which has been really cool and now they're doing a summer soccer session um session during summer and there's more time to interact with the parents and stuff like that so i'm really learning that in the same aspect of, of you guys is that how you can be a witness in so many different aspects of your life and this is a new part for me because my my son my older son is seven turning yeah. eight so it's brand new yeah it's yeah. brand new but it's really fun i'm yeah. really enjoying and, it and do you find too that like no matter what age you are or background you are whoever you put on a rockets jersey and you're part of the family you know that's mm. that's what i think sporting clubs do really well yeah and uh, but 100 and using that analogy you're also we talked about being clothed with Christ a few weeks yeah, ago. You're, yeah, you're part of that that team we straight should, away. Yeah, we should. We're all part of the team straight away. Yeah, because we're Christian. Yeah, and then yeah. you can put the Rockets jersey on. I don't know, as a scarf or something, <laughs> if you <laughs> that's want. Right. But yeah. That's that's what's been really fun to go. Um, I think a lot of parents are realizing that I, I try and treat the boys with a lot of dignity and respect because mm. I really appreciate them. But I think I've learned that through church. I've learned that through some other things with like my mum's 
worked in childcare all her life. Um, so they see, like, I feel like I'm, I am being a bit of a witness to them as a Christian dad to Leo, uh, my son, but also the other boys. And I'm, that's really, really fascinating aspect and really enjoyable aspect of trying to bring um, our witness to those people as well. So. Yeah, th- thanks mm-hmm. for asking me the question. Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we should wrap it up. Um, thank mm-hmm. you again, guys. Really appreciate you joining us. We should also say that we have a conference coming up, which is on at the end of this month, the 30th of October. Mm-hmm. So you can actually register for mm-hmm. that if you're interested. Um, we are going to be completely, it's going to be completely online. We'll do it via Zoom. But if you go to shockabsorber.com.au, you can actually click the link to register. All we ask for is your name and your email, and we'll send you all the details. Um, but the f- conference is completely free. And um, we're going to be talking a lot about um, the first aspects of intergenerational ministries, Stu. We're also going to put a spotlight on the hospitality team because a lot of people are talking about uh, interest in how we do food. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? We get a lot of feedback from people saying they're excited about the idea of having a meal around Mm. one of the services. And it's a really easy way to start uh, helping whatever gathering you've already got become a bit more intergenerational. And whether you're a children's ministry or a youth ministry or a church, you can start a meal that can actually be more inclusive and people love coming together for a feed so mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful it should be cool because we'll do it right in front of the combi right now we will <laughs> yeah this old combi yeah, yeah that's right yeah. and uh, moving on from that we also um, you mentioned the Chip Large podcast Leonie mm. so thank you very much we'll, you can catch that anywhere you listen to your podcast or it's on YouTube just on the same channel you're watching this right now and um, there's also the Discord and also you can email us at joel at shockersorbit.com.au. So all of those are in the show notes, whether you're listening to the podcast or watching it on YouTube. But uh, for now, we'll say thank you very much for listening. And as you always like to finish with a one-way. One way.